0: This show is brought to you by Helix Sleep. Sleep, especially as you get older, is so critical, but no two people sleep alike. That's why Helix offers several different mattress models, each designed for specific sleep positions and preferences. Go to helixsleep.com dailywire and take their sleep quiz to find the mattress made for you. Whether you're a side sleeper, a stomach sleeper, a hot sleeper, or a cold sleeper, Helix has just the mattress for you. I took the Helix Sleep Quiz and was matched with a Helix Midnight Mattress because I wanted a medium firmness and I sleep on my side. I am sleeping so much better on my new mattress. Don't want to take my word for it? Well, Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Take the quiz and order the perfect mattress right to your door, shipped for free. It's so quick and fun to unbox, and you won't believe how well you'll sleep. All Helix mattresses come with a 100-night trial and a 10- or 15-year warranty. Helix even offers financing options and flexible payment plans. A great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and a free bedroom bundle for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailywire and use code HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. That's helixsleep.com slash dailywire, code helixpartner20.
1: The Central Intelligence Agency has released a recruitment ad in which a CIA agent brags that she is an intersectional cisgender millennial diagnosed with generalized anxiety order who is unapologetically herself for some reason. This is supposed to make you think well of the CIA. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking... Oh, Clavin, you absurd and yet somehow sexually irresistible master of the satirical hardy horror, where do you come up with these brilliant bits of mind-expanding parody that enliven the humdrum lives of the deplorable rabble you deign to call your audience? But no, I am not making this up. Although clearly you are a deplorable rabble, or you'd be listening to something else. But the rest of it's true. The CIA actually did make this recruitment video. Here's an excerpt.
2: I'm a woman of color. I am a mom. I am a cisgender millennial who's been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. I am intersectional, but my existence is not a box-checking exercise. I am a walking declaration, a woman whose inflection does not rise at the end of her sentences, suggesting that a question has been asked. I used to struggle with imposter syndrome, but at 36, I refuse to internalize misguided patriarchal ideas of what a woman can or should be. I am tired of feeling like I'm supposed to apologize for the space I occupy rather than intoxicate people with my effort, my brilliance. I stand here today a proud first-generation Latina and officer at CIA. I am unapologetically me.
1: Now. The CIA seemed rather sensitive about the universal ridicule that greeted this video, and they sent a spokesman to some of the news shows to express the opinion that many of those who laughed at the CIA may soon find that they've hanged themselves in prison. So, to make peace between the intelligence community on the one hand, and people with actual intelligence on the other I have decided to offer up a new script for a recruitment video to help the CIA reclaim its vaunted reputation as a group of sinister incompetents who couldn't tell a weapon of mass destruction from an office desk fan. My script goes like this. I am a CIA agent assigned the task of defending this racist country from those such as myself who despise it. And I am not going to apologize for being a cisgender white man who identifies as a lesbian woman of color and hears voices telling me to spy on you through the camera on your laptop. A CI agent is a beautiful creature, like a unicorn, or a ballerina doing a dance about fuzzy bears, or maybe one of those gossamer-winged fairies you see in Disney movies or the bars around Christopher Street in Greenwich Village. And I am sick and tired of feeling bad about myself Simply because I'm an overweight, neglectful mother who can comfort a toddler who hasn't seen her in three days with one hand while turning a blind eye to Iran's nuclear program with the other hand, which for some reason is holding a blind eye. I am a proud, smug, self satisfied, and secretly insecure millennial who is so sensitive that when I waterboard terrorists, I tell them my secrets. And I am not going to kowtow to the patriarchy that gave me everything I have, but will instead spend my evenings alone knocking back enough red wine to float a battleship. If by a battleship, you mean a woman so drunk she'd fall into bed with the first Chinese official to offer her a carton of mushu pork in exchange for America's nuclear codes. I am not afraid to say yes, I am reading your emails and leaking false stories about my political enemies to the New York Times, even as Taiwan becomes part of the Chinese mainland, to my complete surprise. I am today's CIA, and you are totally screwed. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I'm the hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are ringing, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. ship shaped ipsy-topsy, the world is a-biddy-zing. It's a wonderful day, hoorah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh,
3: hurrah, hooray. Oh,
1: hooray. All right. I am a CIA agent laughing my way through the fall of the Republic. Welcome back. Go on iTunes, subscribe to the show, leave a five-star rating. Even if you hate it, just lie. Leave that five-star rating. Go on YouTube and subscribe to my personal channel. We have got some really good content coming down the pike. They have made uh, a really terrific, the guys at The Daily Wire have put together a really terrific uh, video about my Hollywood career and its cancellation. I got a lot of questions about cancel culture. And so they put together just a video of me telling that story. I'll play a little bit for you at the end of the show. It really is well done. Uh, and it's a really interesting story. As I was telling it, I was thinking, this is actually an interesting story. Uh, if you want to be on the mailbag, you want to press, you want to be a subscription, a subscriber to the Daily Wire, then you want to go to dailywire.com, press the watch button, go to the Andrew Claven podcast and then hit the mailbag and you can ask me anything you want. You can ask me about your personal life, religion, politics. All my answers are guaranteed. 100% 100% correct and will change your life. And many people say, well, they change my life for the better. And the rest of us just laugh at them in, in our sleeves. Uh, also on YouTube, if you leave a comment and it is sufficiently ignorant and cruel, uh, we will read it on the air as being as fitting right in with the rest of what we're doing here. Uh, today's comment is from Fast Freddy, who says, I was lonely and unable to get a date until I said, rock auto. Now I have five new friends who who identify as girls? Thank you, Mr. K. Uh, it is—it's a, <laughs> a, it's a pleasure. I—I just—I I got something in the mailbag today uh, from somebody who said his his wife just refers to me as the Rock Auto guy. Should he be jealous? The answer is absolutely. You should. You have no idea what is going on between your wife and I. Even if you're not as old as me, you want to have a will because you just never know and you do not want to leave the people who depend on you in the lurch if you should hit the road. At trustandwill.com, setting up an estate plan is simple, it's convenient, and it's secure. And for as little as 39 bucks, you can nominate guardians for your children, determine who gets your stuff, and plan for future medical care all from the comfort of your home. Trust and Will documents are designed by estate planning experts and customized for the state you live in. And with live customer support seven days a week, TrustAndWill.com's team is available to answer any questions you have while setting up your plan. TrustAndWill is a trusted name in online estate planning, the category leaders on TrustPilot, and they've helped hundreds of thousands of people protect their families, assets, and legacies. Obviously, I made my will a long time ago, so I went on the site and checked it out. It's easy, it's simple, and there are people right there to help you out anytime you need it. It's really kind of amazing. You can gain peace of mind at TrustAndWill.com slash get 10% off, plus, Free shipping of your customized legal documents. Don't wait. Go right now. This is really important. Get 10% off plus free shipping at trustandwill.com slash Claven. Trustandwill.com slash Claven. Anytime you want, there's someone there to tell you how you spell Claven. But just for now, it's K L A V A N. Uh, So before I get today's big idea, I want to begin with an update on a story I covered last week, that fight against the racist anti-racism that they were trying to cram down the throats of students in Southlake, a wealthy suburb of Dallas. Do you remember the story? Uh, There was a a video of some kids who were chanting along with a rapper, and the rapper used the N-word, so they used the N-word, and this set off a firestorm. The school board responded with this very sinister plan to put this horrible anti-white, anti-racist, racist garbage Uh, And the parents fought back, as I was telling you, this week there was a school board and city council election and the racist anti-racist were smushed. Candidates backed by the conservative South Lake Families PAC, which has raised more than $200,000 since last summer, won every race by about 70% to 30%, including those for two school school board positions, two city council seats, and the mayor. More than 9,000 voters cast ballots, three times as many as in similar contests in the past. As one local conservative said, so goes South Lake so goes the rest of America. Just let us hope that 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 is the case. But just a reminder that local action really does pay off big dividends. So I had an experience when I was a young writer that is an example of what I call writerly providence. Every writer experiences this. Uh, Every writer has the experience that they are asking a question, wondering about something, thinking, how am I going to find this out? and somebody just comes into their life and explains it to them. Every writer will tell you the story. My story, particular story, I was just starting out as a crime writer and I had a scene where a gangster buries a body in uh, the foundation of a building, right? in the concrete throws the body into the concrete of the building. And I started to think there are a lot of logistical problems with this because if the body rots, wouldn't the <laughs> concrete cave in? And there was no internet in those days, so I had nowhere to look it up. And how do you, and I, so help me, absolutely true. I am at a party with, at a friend's house and a guy sits down next to me and we start a conversation. I said, what do you do? And he says, I'm in the construction industry. And I made a joke about John Gotti, who is currently the gang, the leader of the uh, mafia. And he, this guy said, oh, oh Gotti's not a bad person. That, that's just what they say in the press. I thought, oh my God, I'm actually talking to a mobster in, in the construction business. I said, listen, how would you buy, bury a body in, in cement? And this guy knew, and he told me, and I put it in the book. He was explaining all the problems. What would happen if you buried a body in cement? He not just talking theoretically, of course. I thought, yeah, absolutely. And that's how I got it into my mystery story. That is writerly providence. Well, today, this week, something else uh, of writerly providence happened to me again. I have been pondering a question for, for several weeks. Why do the stupidest people in America think you're the stupidest people in America. And I'm, Obviously, I'm talking about elites, really leftist elites, uh, who can just be so incredibly dense and stupid, and yet they're constantly laughing at the rest of us, at ordinary people. And I said this on Backstage uh, a couple of weeks ago. I said, if you could add together the IQs of Uh, Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo, Brian Stelter and Jimmy Costa, you could roll the final number on a pair of dice. But we all remember Don Lemon, Rick Wilson and Wajahat uh, Eli, I think his name is, on CNN laughing at Donald Trump and the people who elected them. Just to remind you, here's cut six. Donald Trump couldn't find Ukraine on a map if you had the letter U and a picture of an actual physical crane (laughs) next to it. He knows that this is, you know, an an administration defined by ignorance of the world, and so that's partly him playing to their base and playing to their audience. Uh, you know, the, the the credulous boomer rube demo that backs Donald Trump, um, that, that wants to think that that, that Donald Trump's a
4: smart one, and they're oh, y'all y'all us or dumb. <laughs> you you us with your geography and your maps and your spelling, even though <laughs> your micro- math and your reading. Yeah, you're reading. <laughs> You know, your geography, knowing other countries, sipping your latte, all those lines on the map.
1: Only the elitists know where Ukraine is. Unbelievable! So these these guys on CNN of all places—the dunce cap room of the world, right? This is the corner that dunces go to sit in, right? They are laughing at Donald Trump whose programs largely worked, right? Where the economy got better, there was progress in the Middle East, the environment actually got cleaner, while leftists, their programs fail and fail and fail. They're, they are the stupidest people in America, but they think you are the stupidest people in America. Now, when I t- attack elites, there's always some leftist who will respond and say, well, you are an elite. You know, you went to elite schools. I grew up well-to-do. Uh, and so I, And what you'll notice about this argument is It's stupid, right? Leftists think that if you can find an exception to a rule, the rule is disproved. If I say women would be killed instantly in a medieval sword fight, they go back thousands of years and find the one woman who once w- won a sword fight against some old drunken peasant. And they say, ah, we've disproved. You know, they think they've proved something and they have. They've proved they're stupid. Every argument I have with the left is exactly like this. We say America is not a racist country. They say, oh, you think there's no racism in America. You think like, no, that's that's stupid. <laughs> they say we say climate computer models are being exaggerated for political purposes. They say, well, you think the climate's not changing. No, that's just stupid. Right. I express I have uh, recently I expressed the opinion that homemaking is the most important job a woman can do. And left to say, well, women can do anything they want. Of course they can. It's a free country. So what? There are some women who should do something less important than homemaking. What has that got to do with anything? It is continually stupid. And these people whose programs always fail, whose arguments make no sense, who think they can fight racism with racism, racism with racism, who think they can defend freedom with more authority and more slavery, who think they can win wars by surrendering. These people think you're an idiot because you believe what works? And I was I just was puzzling over this. Like it, it would be one thing if one intellectual was condemning like another intellectual, but it's, it, it's weird. It is weird that a guy like Don Lemon, who if he walked into a corner of the room, would need 15 guys to come and guide him out is laughing at you. He's got his head down on the desk. He's chuckling because you're Rick Wilson, who's running an organization where the guy is sending like dirty pictures to little boys. You know, it's, that's Rick Wilson is so much smarter than you are who aren't doing that. So I wanted to address this issue this week. This was kind of what the theme I wanted because of, of a lot of things that I'll talk about in a minute. And by writer's providence, I open up at random uh, this Christian magazine I sometimes get called Touchstone. And I saw a not stupid article by a guy named S.M. Hutchins. And I'm going to I condensed it a little bit so I can read just this little p- piece of it. The liberal, and he means the leftist because leftists aren't liberal anymore, says the liberal has reason to believe himself intellectually superior to the conservative, reason to sneer and strut if he feels so inclined, because he in fact does know, to be what he is, he must know more than the plain man knows. He has learned something the conservative has not. The liberal has learned there is no God. The liberal has learned that debt is the pathway to national prosperity. Gender overrules sex and is a matter of personal choice. Paternal presence and authority are not necessary for healthy family life, whereas government agency is, and that women, smaller, weaker, slower, and the bearers of the next generation should be put into the armed forces to fight alongside men. These and like propositions must be taught. You have to learn them precisely because they are unnatural common sense needs to be supplanted with an artificial, ideological, educated, quote-unquote, worldview, and above all, pride in this learning and disdain for those who don't possess this learning must be inculcated not only to mock those who refuse to accept it, but also to secure the liberal in chains of madness that only an archangel could break. That's a brilliant passage. In other words, the conservative can see what's right in front of his face. The leftist is too smart to believe in reality. It reminds me of a series of children's books about a family called the Stupids. My kids love these books. They were made into a movie at one point written by uh, James Marshall. I'm sorry. They're written by Harry Allard Jr. The pictures are by James Marshall. Uh, These books are one of the most banned books in America because I have no idea why, but they are frequently being banned maybe because they're uh, prejudicial against stupid people. But in one of these books, this is just to give an example. The Stupids, obviously, your family gets everything wrong, right? One book is called The Stupid Step Out, and in this book, the father, who I think I think his name is Stanley Stupid, he calls his family together, and he says, we're going on an outing. And here's an excerpt I found on YouTube, 26.
0: The stupids are stepping out today, said Stanley. The stupids were delighted. Let's go upstairs and get ready, said Mrs. Stupid. The two stupid children climbed onto the banister. Up we go, squealed Petunia. They did not move. They wondered why.
1: (laughs) They wondered why they couldn't slide up the banister because obviously they went to Yale where communist professors (laughs) taught them that you want to go up, you got to get on the banister. Everything I see today, every news story I read, I just think, what did you think would happen, right? Violent crime is rising insanely in major cities Obviously, it's because they have they, the riots. For one thing, have diverted uh, police resources from normal policing. But but the police have been demonized. The police don't want to do their jobs because they're afraid of getting arrested for shooting a guy as he as he tries to break away and uh, resist arrest. They don't want to do their jobs. They're staying away from difficult things. They're not they're not being able to find new police officers. The stupid's can 't figure why is this happening? We may never know. We may know today there was a new job report. The job hiring has slowed despite the fact that the economy is speeding up because they 're paying people to stay home. Joe Biden is sending people money not to work, and they they can't The new York Times says it 's confounding it 's confounding why this is happening it 's confounding it 's like why why can 't we slide up the banister? Joe Biden said again and again that he would welcome illegals into our country. He would dismantle Trump's attempts to secure the border. Now the stupids can't figure out why there is a record 25,000 kids in cages. What could it be? Well, is stupid explains it here it's cut 22.
0: We are focused on addressing both the acute factors and the root causes of migration. And I believe this is an important distinction. We must focus on both. First, the acute factors, the catastrophes that are causing people to leave right now the hurricanes, the pandemic, the drought, and extreme food insecurity. And then there are the long standing issues, the root causes. And I'm thinking of corruption, violence, and poverty, the lack of economic opportunity, the lack of climate adaptation. And climate resilience.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's it. That must be it. Also because we stopped defending the borders and told everybody they could come. That may be it like, slide up the banister and go to bed, Kamala. Mother's Day is this Sunday. right? Congratulations to all you moms out there. But leftist elites are so smart. They have learned so much that they have learned there is no such thing as mothers. You're not even allowed to say the word mothers because it suggests there's such a thing as a woman who is uniquely designed and fashioned to bring into the world the next generation. Here's a quick montage of people talking about their new new neologism for describing mom.
0: I am committed to doing the absolute most to
2: protect Black mothers, to protect Black babies, to protect Black birthing people, and to save lives. How does one of the most medically advanced nations in the world continue to fail Black birthing people at
1: such high rates?
0: Let us recommit our efforts and support to ensure that every birthing person across this nation is empowered and feels safe in making that wonderful and exciting decision to become
1: a mother. You're a birthing person. You're happy birthing person's day. Because anyone who thinks that women alone give birth and then become mothers, and then are mothers afterwards, they don't just give birth. There's not just birthing person. They are then mothers. Anybody who thinks that is a fool who is mired in the obvious truth that people have known since the beginning of time, Right. You know, part of this, I really do believe, has to do with the rise of science, the glorious rise of science at the end of the Middle Ages. Science dispelled many illusions. It taught us that not everything we see is what it appears to be, right? The Earth is not the center of the solar system. Lightning is caused by physical forces. It doesn't just flash out of the sky. Infection is spread by invisible germs. We thought we could see the simple truth of these things, but a deeper truth was hidden. It needed experts, scientists, to explain that deeper truth to us. But science is like a pinpoint flashlight that you shine into a tunnel. It illuminates everything that it touches, but everything that it doesn't touch seems to fall into deeper shadows. In creating experts who could dispel illusions about our perceptions of the material world, science created a new illusion. The illusion that experts could dispel and triumph over our common sense and replace it with something better. And so now here we are, a failed elite, too smart to believe in reality, despise the ordinary people who can see what's right in front of our faces. All right. This is one of the last shows I'm going to be doing for my house. I'm moving house. I'll do one more show from this attic, and then I'm moving house. And one of the things I want on my new house is a Ring doorbell and Ring cameras. I want security. And Ring is a device that means you can talk to people who come to your door or are around your house. You can see them, talk to them on your phone anytime, anytime anywhere that you are. You can keep an eye on your door. You can make sure uh, no one is taking your stuff, or you can just see if somebody drops by and you want to talk to them. With motion detection, you'll get notified even if they don't ring the doorbell. If someone stops by or something's going on, Ring lets you know. There's a special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit at ring.com forward slash Clavin, and it comes with Ring's video, Doorbell 3, and Chime Pro. Don't wait. Get a special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit at ring.com slash Claven. It comes with Ring's Video Doorbell 3 and Chime Pro, the perfect way to start your Ring experience. Go to ring.com slash Claven. That's ring.com slash Claven. If anyone comes to your door, no matter where you are, ask him, how do you spell Claven? If he knows, just run for your life.
2: Oh, hi. I no longer have grandparents due to this virus because of people like you I'm who sorry, don't want to wear a mask Is in the store. It's
1: ridiculous. Okay. One of the worst effects of our elites trying to slide up banisters, thinking that we're the stupid ones, while they do what fails over and over again because they've educated themselves beyond common sense, is that because they're too smart to believe in reality and they have to believe that we're the stupid ones, they have justified to themselves lying to us. They lie to us because they think we will do the wrong thing if they give us enough information to decide for ourselves, which makes it impossible for us to trust them, right? So we're left not knowing the difference between the New York Times and a conspiracy theorist because there is no difference. There is no difference. If the Times is lying and a conspiracy theorist is out of his mind, how are we supposed to tell the difference? They actually do the exact opposite. Facebook's oversight board uh, has extended the ban on Donald Trump for six months uh, and they're hoping to extend it forever. Uh, I love this uh, cut of Adam Schiff uh, saying he wants it extended forever. Play that the president here is continuing to go out and push the big lie about the election, continuing, I think, to, to endanger our democracy by doing that. And so he continues to make the case uh, that he would violate the policies if they readmitted him. Uh, and I think, frankly, pathologically, he's incapable of changing. So this is a temporary ban. It will likely be, uh, if we're fortunate, a permanent ban. Because the president is not going to stop the lies about the last election or lies about the next one. He will incite people. This guy lied every single time he was on TV. I have in my hand this envelope with the name of people who colluded, Russians who colluded with Donald Trump. And he was (laughs) the outcome. And what he's saying, what this lying Adam Schiff, this dishonest congressman is saying is that the former president of the United States. Who was supported by more voters than anyone in history, besides Biden, and more living voters possibly than Biden himself, is not going to be allowed to speak. Why? Because he's what he's saying things that Adam Schiff doesn't think are true, and we can't decide for ourselves. We can't figure out if we get all the information. We can't figure it out because we're stupid, and and it's only us because, as Larry Elder pointed out on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Hillary Clinton has been saying that her election was stolen since. 2016, right? She keeps saying it, and she hasn't been taken... Uh, down at all, and the New York Post pointed out that the whole this whole board, which is a, basically a scam, this oversight board. You know, Facebook didn't have this kind of thing until leftists started saying, "Well, we've got to do something about we've got to do something about the internet because the internet has all this uh, you know unfiltered information." This is like the Dane a former Danish prime minister, uh, the editor, a former editor of the left wing newspaper, The Guardian, a Yemeni activist, uh, a, a lot, bunch of law professors. They. All, all of them hate Donald Trump because Donald Trump is so stupid, and the people who vote for him go to the Olive Garden, and these people eat at Lutes and could not find their way out of a, out of the corner of the room. I mean, if you read the New York Times, a former newspaper. Later on, we're going to have an interview with Ashley Rinsberg, who's written in a really interesting book about the New York Times. Uh, please wait for this because it is it was it's a really interesting uh, talk, and the book is uh, really jaw dropping but the new york times listen i'm just going to read you a couple of headlines from the new york times so listen to this florida and texas in texas they're uh, florida and texas they're going to want more secure elections so they're passing secure election laws Florida and Texas join the march as Republicans press voting limits. The efforts in two critical battleground states with booming populations and 70 electoral college votes between them represent the apex of the Republican effort to roll back access to voting. That is a a news story. That's not an opinion story. They don't even want you to think. They don't even want you to say, well, the Republicans say this and the Democrats say that. What are the facts and how do I No, No, you can't even get to the story. Stefanik, this is this um, fight they're having over the leadership with Liz Cheney. They want to oust Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney really no longer represents the bulk of the Republican Party as she has just bashed Trump. It's one thing to disagree with him, but she's really bashed him. That's very hard for her to be in leadership. I'm not saying she's wrong. I'm not saying she has no integrity. I'm not saying she's dishonest. I'm just saying that that makes her not a good leader. They want to replace her with Stefanik, who does support Trump. Stefanik, um, this is the New York Times, Stefanik resurfaces false election claims as she moves to oust Cheney. Republicans say Liz Cheney, their number three, is being targeted because she won't stay quiet about Donald Trump's election lies. Her would-be replacement is campaigning on them. She has loudly resurrected his false narrative, citing, quote, unprecedented, unconstitutional overreach. Now, I'm sorry, given all the changes that were made to laws, to election laws that were made against the constitutions of the states that made the changes, right? That's not a lie. It may be an opinion. You may think, no, those are constitutional, but you're not even allowed to listen to the opinions and think to yourself, you can't even get into the story. They want to define it for you because you're just that dumb. You are just that dumb. You're not like the New York Times, the reporters at the New York Times who were 25 years old and couldn't find Kansas on a map. You're not like them, because they have learned all this new stuff that you don't know. You think men are men and women are women. You fool. They have now understood that reality is not reality. And so they manipulate information and it has these disastrous effects. This thing with the lockdowns and the masks and all this, you remember when Fauci came out and he said, uh, masks don't work? He said, why did he say that? He said, well, the reason for that is we were concerned. Then later he said, masks do work. And he said, the reason for that is we were concerned, the public health community, and many people were saying this, we were concerned that it was at a time when personal protective equipment, we're in very short supply, and we wanted to make sure that the people, namely the healthcare workers, who were brave enough to put themselves in harm's way to take care of people that you know were infected, and that they had enough masks. So, in other words, they lied to you. They didn't come out and say, "Hey, folks, l- listen, masks are important, but we need them now for health workers. Please leave them in the store. You know, don't don't override us." It didn't say that. They lied to you because you're too stupid to make that decision on your own. And he, Dr. Fauci, is so smart, he knows to tell us what to do is right. So now people like me are vaccinated. Lots of people who are uh, vulnerable to this disease are vaccinated. That makes you largely immune to it. It means you can't spread it. And yet Dr. Fauci is still saying stuff like this. This is cut 27.
4: I'd say even if you live alone, I would wear a mask in the house, especially in the shower, because frankly, droplets can make the way through the drain and come up through somebody else's toilet, infecting them with COVID through the anus. Uh, Ballpark in two to five to 20 years, we can start thinking about considering the idea of pondering the thought of conceptualizing the possibility of maybe, perhaps, reopening but probably not i would avoid having any fun whatsoever in the near to far future
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is a great imitation from comedian tyler fisher's or excellent excellent imitation but it's not far from the truth here is fauci in fact this is cut 18
3: what inning are we in as far as this covid pandemic is concerned well you know i i we're at least halfway through i i hope we're seeing and, and i do believe. Uh, uh, Wolf, I'm not trying to be overly uh, enthusiastic about what's going on vis-a-vis the vaccine program, which is so successful. But we've really got to not declare victory prematurely. H- how about the, the bottom of the sixth? Bottom Try that one, six. Wolf.
1: Right, I'll go with the bottom of the sixth. That's not too bad. <laughs> What's wonderful about the stupidity of this, what's wonderful about Fauci's stupidity, and he is not not a technically stupid man. This is a good doctor who got corrupted by TV cameras. That is what happened to him. He's a good doctor, a smart doctor who just fell in love with his face and his authority and is talking. You know, the thing about doctors is every profession comes with personality traits, right? Doctors are almost all hypochondriacs, and they will tell you they because they see so much and they see so much death and they see every you know how fragile life is that they want you to hide in your room all the time, right? So that's what's what's happening to Fauci is he has been placed in a position he should not have. He should be advising the leader who comes out and makes decisions, but we've elevated him because the left is stupid. They think science can tell them more than common sense. They think science can tell them more than the human heart, and it can about. Material, uh, material facts, but it cannot about human life. What's right? What's wrong? What makes sense for people? How people should live? They can't tell them anything about this. So he now he's trying to control people. By telling them lies, he's by telling them, that even if you're vaccinated, you should wear a mask. If you're with your sister, Al, you know, wear a mask, face the back room. put your... And what's incredibly stupid about it, he doesn't realize we're not doing that anymore. Nobody's listening outside, outside of New York and California, where people have been trained to listen to authority and obey authority. Nobody is listening to this guy anymore. So he's not even, he's you know, he's not even getting what he wants, which is the, the star power that has corrupted him. He's not even getting that. Now, one of the things my listeners ask most is, is, why is your show such a shambolic disaster? And of course, it's not my fault. It's my staff. <laughs> if I had used ZipRecruiter to hire, this thing would just run like grease on wheels. <laughs> Hiring could feel like trying to find a needle in a haystack. But with ZipRecruiter.com slash you can try this service for free. And when you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over a 100 Top job sites with one click. Then, ZipRecruiter's matching technology finds people with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. In fact, ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. That's pretty amazing. So, while other companies overwhelm you with way too many options, ZipRecruiter finds you what you need the needle in the haystack. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. At ziprecruiter.com slash Claven. Once again, that's ziprecruiter.com slash Claven. Ziprecruiter is the smartest way to hire, but only if you know how to spell Claven. Do you? (laughs) Ha 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 ha. It's K L A V A N. No ease. So now the left wing Atlantic magazine realizes that leftists, liberals as they wrongly call them, are not coming out of their rooms. The crisis is over people have vaccines. You don't have to wear a mask anymore if you have a vaccine. You know, if if you go indoors and you don't have a maxi- vaccine, maybe if you're close up with somebody indoors for 15 minutes or more, which is how this thing spreads. But this is a- absurd, but leftists won't come out. So Emma Green writes the story lurking among the jubilant Americans venturing back out to bars and planning their summer wedding travel is a different group liberals who aren't quite ready to let go of pandemic restrictions. For this subset, diligence against COVID-19 remains an expression of political identity, even when that means overestimating the diseases, risks, or setting limits far more strict than what public health guidelines permit. In surveys, Democrats express more worry about the pandemic than Republicans do. People who describe themselves as very liberal are distinctly anxious. What did they expect? Why, you know, it's again, why how could this be? What happened? Why why can't we slide up the banister? They are the stupid stepping out. It is unbelievable that they can't figure out. They shoot themselves in the foot and wonder why they're limping again and again. They they shoot the country in the foot and wonder why the country is limping. They cannot figure out that their policies do just what conservatives tell them they're going to do. They even after it happens, they can't figure it out. Because conservatives are so stupid, they see what's right in front of their faces and liberals are so smart, they can't even perceive reality. John Tierney, who is a contributing editor at City Journal, as I am a contributing editor there as well, he is a contributing science columnist for the New York Times. He writes this, now that the 2020 figures have been properly tallied, there is no convincing evidence that strict lockdowns reduce the death toll from COVID-19. But one effect is clear, more deaths, from other causes, especially among the young and middle-aged minorities and the less affluent. So here a disease that would have killed old people has been turned into a disease that kills young people instead by policy, by stupid elite policy. The best gauge, he goes on to say, the best gauge of the pandemic's impact is what statisticians call excess mortality, which compares the overall number of deaths with the total in previous years. That measure rose among older Americans because of COVID-19, but it rose at an even sharper rate among people aged 15 to 54. Now, this is a tragedy of policy. And most of those excess deaths, he says, were not attributed to the virus. Some of those deaths could be undetected COVID-19, and some could be unrelated to the pandemic or the lockdowns. But preliminary reports point to some obvious obvious lockdown-related factors. There was a sharp decline in visits to emergency rooms, an increase in fatal heart attacks due to failure to receive prompt treatment. Many fewer people were screened for cancer. Social isolation contributed to excess deaths from dementia and Alzheimer's. So instead of having old people die sadly from this disease, they had young people died from the lockdowns. What did they expect? Again and again. This is a failed elite. This is what we're seeing right now. This is why we're seeing this panic, this incredible spending, this uh, you know uh, racial racial moral panic. This is why we're seeing it because the elites have failed. Their great society has failed. Everything they've done has failed. But they don't want to let go of the power, so they have to convince themselves that they're the smart ones. They're stupid, but they think you're the stupid ones. I call them elites without mirrors because they're, they're elites who can't see how badly they're doing. They can't see themselves. And just to show you what I mean by this, just to show you how blind they are to themselves, this is one of my favorite clips of the week. This is Chris Cuomo. Uh, and he's talking about this liter- leadership battle uh, with uh, over Liz Cheney and comparing it to the fact that the Republicans have not ousted uh, Matt Gates, who is a charge with no proof whatsoever. He denies it completely, but he's charged with sexual malfeasance. And this is what Chris Cuomo says about
3: it. This is a party that will hang with Matt Gates, and I'm all for due process. But, you know, he'd be a dead man on the left because it's all about optics. But here,
1: they stick with him. They stick with the QAnon kook, and they kill Liz Cheney. <laughs> he'd, be a, he'd be a dead man on the left. Except his brother, Andrew Cuomo, who's like Jason from the Friday the 13th movies, who did (laughs) everything except Go through nursing homes with a butcher knife and a hockey mask, and meanwhile I was chasing all the women around his office. You know, Come on hold still, you saucy wench! I'm the governor of New York. You know, <laughs> like, oh, she got out of my hands again. You know, <laughs> and they haven't done a thing to him. They haven't done a thing to the governor of Virginia for being in blackface. But oh yes, the Democrats. The Democrats are so. They're so on top of these scandals. They're so on top. The guy doesn't see himself. The other one, and. All the time that his brother, Andrew Cuomo, was doing this stuff, by the way, killing the old people and just absolutely destroying New York by his bad policies. He had him on, was interviewing him and making nostril jokes. You know, Jim Acosta, Jim, look at me. I'm Jim Acosta. Another guy, another blockhead. The guys are so blockhead. Yeah, it's like I mean, even looks like I'm sorry, even looks like a blockhead. He looks like a guy with a piece of cement on his neck. Here he's talking about this is their new thing because Trump is gone because they can't demonize Trump. They're demonizing fox News. and here's here's the thing I want to say about Fox News, right? Like every cable station, there's a lot about Fox News that I don't like. But the point about Fox News is not that it's right or wrong, not that it's good or bad, not that this show is good and that show is bad or this episode is good or what- whatever. I mean, Bret Baier runs the best news program on TV, bar none. There's no question about it that Bret Baier special report is still best news program on TV. But the rest of the programming, you can like it, you can hate it. It doesn't matter. But Fox News is the only big media outlet. Right. They're rebel guys like us and OANN, all the other people. They're rebel guys. But the only one of the big media outlets who will at any time disagree with what the authorities in the deep state are saying, they will disagree with, you know, the the anonymous intelligence sources and they'll disagree with the left that the only ones who ever do it. And that's why, Jim, look at me. I'm Jim Acosta says this. As the old saying goes, a lie can travel around the world and back again while the truth is still lacing up its boots. But the lie, the lies these days are moving at the speed of light while spreading so much darkness. Take, for example, the uproar over this New York Post story that claimed that copies of a children's book written by Vice President Kamala Harris were being given to migrant kids in their welcome kits. That tale from the border didn't just border on B.S., This was USDA, grade A, bull And the reporter who wrote the story resigned, claiming she was forced to make it up. But the damage was done, pumped out over the airwaves at the bull factory, also known as Fox News. Now, you can tell he means it because he's cursing like a big boy, you know, so it really is important. But the thing about this is, is like, you know, CNN has been nothing but one lie after another, Russian collusion and Me Too and, the, you know, every everything they said. Oh, and the evil of the demonic authoritarianism of Donald Trump, who somehow managed not to surround the Capitol with uh, federal troops, who somehow managed to let every state do its own business and not try and tell them they can't uh, cut taxes. But CNN and, and so... At the same time, Jim Acosta is patting himself on the back, right? Fox News Channel was the most watched cable news channel from April 26th through May 2nd, topping liberal networks, CNN and MSNBC for the 11th straight week. What did they expect would happen while they were sitting on the banister ready to slide up? What did they think were going to happen? These guys, I swear, they like I said, they are too smart to to believe in reality, and they think you're stupid for seeing what's right in front of your eyes. But we do see them, and it is costing them, and let's hope it continues to cost them as the midterms come on. So I know you heard earlier on the show, I told you that many men have been finding that their wives are suddenly getting this dreamy look in their eyes whenever they mention the rock auto guy, meaning me. And that's because I use rockauto.com. And don't just use rockauto.com. I say it like that, rockauto.com. One of the best things about rockauto.com, aside from the fact that you can get any car part you need without leaving your home, without getting into your car, which doesn't work anyway because it needs a car part, and pretending to drive it to a store where they don't know anything more about cars than you do. Instead, you can go on rockauto.com and say that and get that dreamy look in your wife's eye. It's a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. The site is really Really easy to use, and the prices are always reliably low. And you can always say rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write Clavin in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you, and say it the same way. You gotta say Clavin. How do you spell it? It's K L A V A N. It's amazing. Has anyone noticed the media just does whatever the CIA and FBI say? The CIA and FBI are great. (laughs) <laughs> this, is, this, is, this has got to be the stupidest thing the stupid people do. It really does, is. I mean, what, what does a spy do? You know, what is, a, what is a spy's job? A spy's job is not just to acquire secret information. It's also to manipulate information to get what they want. You know, I mean, this is this is what spies do. And yet again and again and again throughout the Trump administration, we have heard the news media telling us that anonymous intelligence sources say. So now you've not only got a spy who has his own agenda. It's not the New York Times agenda. They may think it is, but it's not. Anonymous. So he doesn't have to give his name. So he's not responsible for what he's saying. Giving information to a newspaper in order to produce a result. This is what this is how people who think they're smarter than other people use information. They don't just say, oh here are the facts, I found out. You know, this is this is why what journalism is supposed to be, what it used to be. This is what the academy is supposed to be, what it used to be. This is why wokeness is not just bad for journalism. Wokeness is literally the opposite of journalism because it's saying, oh, I know the moral truth. I understand where this fits into society, where journalism is supposed to be about. Here's what happened. Here's what this guy says it means. Here's what that guy says it means. You know, we used to call this two phone calls, three phone calls and write it up. One phone call to get the facts, one phone call to get the left's opinion, one phone call to get the right opinion and then put it out there and let people decide for themselves. But wokeness is the opposite of that. And so it leads these guys into doing things that are, are stupid for themselves. I mean, the thing about the media is the media has been selling its integrity to acquire, to buy the leftist effect it wants to get for decades now. They've been doing this for decades. They you know, treated Obama like this genius saint instead of the mediocrity that he really was. They treated Trump, obviously, like he was a demon. I mean, you could have said a lot of bad and good things about Donald Trump, but no, all they did was tell you he was a demon from hell instead of saying, well, maybe this is people reacting to what the failure of the elites by sending somebody who was not one of them to correct course but nothing. They promised they were going to look at it. It's going to promise. Why did the people do this? But they never did. They just did what they were going to. But in order to do that, right, they have made common cause with the deep state. The New York Times has said again and again, the deep state really saved democracy. We are in favor of the deep state. And the deep state includes these intelligence guys who are out there in order to, they're there to manipulate information. So I was making fun of that uh, video but the fact that the video, the fact that the CIA has embraced wokeness, right? The fact that it has embraced wokeness, should be a sign to people who think they're speaking truth to power that wokeness is a tool of power. You know, it's what's really amazing about this is the two people who talk about this uh, as as a defense of power centers. The two people who say oh, what we really have to watch is not right and left. We don't have to worry about right and left. We have to worry about power centers. Two of them. There's me and there's Glenn Greenwald. And Glenn Greenwald is on the far left and I'm pretty far over to the right. That's a really interesting fact that both of us actually care about keeping power limited. Here is what Glenn Greenwald says about that video I was making fun of and the CIA's embrace of wokeness. This is cut 14.
4: Wokeness, this ideology, is not about subverting power centers. They never talk about power centers. The CIA, big tech, monopolies, hedge fund managers. It's about turning citizens against one another. That person is evil. That individual is bad. It empowers these ruling class centers. That's why they not just embrace it and cynically exploit it. They actually finance it and want to spread it because it strengthens and entrenches their power.
1: If you, said, if you said to Jim, look at me, I'm Jim Acosta, you are a tool of the powerful. You are a tool of corporate political media America. You are not an independent journalist. In the old days, journalists would have quit before they did the sorts of things that they do regularly on CNN. So they got burned by the Russian collusion story. Remember, they covered that for two and a half years. They were, that was that was the story. The New York Times said we completely set up our, in, in, our organization to deal with one big story. But that didn't work out. So now we'll cover racism. <laughs> it just went on to the next thing. Remember the former intelligence officials? who declared the Hunter Biden laptop story was Russian disinformation, that, you know, they want that to be true. So they allow themselves to be manipulated by a CIA whose job it is, an intelligence organization whose job it is to manipulate uh, information. They use the press like marionettes and they make fools. They made fools of them this week, the other day, the Washington Post citing anonymous sources, claim that the FBI gave a defensive briefing to Rudy Giuliani in 2019 before he traveled to Ukraine and that he was being targeted by a Russian disinformation campaign to hurt Joe Biden's candidacy. But he ignored the FBI's warnings and went anyway. This is Greenwald again writing this. Um, when it came out, the story, the story was totally false. The story was completely false. They've been lied to yet again. They've been made fools of yet again. So what do they do? Well, they don't really retract it. They sort of retract it. You know, they kind of say, oh, well, you know, we, we misspoke. We misspoke. They say the words like that. You know, They, they, all of them, all of them. This was the Washington Post, the New York Times, NBC News. They all got this story wrong, and none of them has really uh, offered a retraction. That's the way they think they're going to keep their reputations. But they're like Little Susie in the old rock song. Their reputation is shot. And the fact that they are making these mistakes, we see them. They think we don't see them because they think we're too stupid. We see them. All of us see them because they're right online. That's why they're trying to censor social media as well. So we don't see them. And so we don't they think they, the information keeps escaping through other means as the sources of information become democratized through the Internet. So they're trying to take control of the Internet because it makes them look like the fools and failures and idiots they are. Listen to Brian Stelter talking about this story. And now, now you say potato. I say Brian Stelter. But this guy is the guy who's supposed to cover the media for CNN. And and this is his take on the fact that they got played again by intelligence sources telling them what they wanted to hear. This is cut five.
3: This weekend, a major black eye for The Washington Post, and it has to do with anonymous sources. So a few days ago, anonymous sources rightly, accurately enabled The New York Times to break the news about the FBI raid at Rudy Giuliani's apartment. But anonymous sources also apparently led The Washington Post astray when the paper reported that Rudy was given a warning by the FBI. Now, the New York Times and NBC News both matched the story. Matched in newsroom speak means that you found your own source and you've confirmed someone else's scoop. But maybe they were all misled by the same set of sources. Because on Saturday, they all walked it back. They all issued corrections and retracted those reports. The news story is that FBI agents planned to warn Rudy and OAN that they might be used as Russian puppets, but that they didn't actually deliver the warning. How can major national papers confirm something with sources and still report fake news? The bottom line is uh, there are safeguards in place. Unfortunately, human error is still at play, and news organizations sometimes uh,
4: do get burned like this.
1: Human error. Human error is the first time. It's the first time you walk into a wall. (laughs) That's the first time you do it. You keep walking into the wall again and again and again. That is not human error. That is corruption and stupidity. It's corruption and stupidity. We can't slide up the banister. The first time you try and slide up the banister, maybe you just couldn't figure it out logically yourself. But the second, third, fourth, fifth time that an anonymous spy manipulates you to get the story out that they want. At what point, at what point do these people say like, You know, we're being used, we're being made fools of, we're being made to look like idiots and we can lie about it. And the people who read the New York Times are so, you know, they're such slaves to the New York Times at this point that they're not going to question them. But the rest of us can see them. We can see them. When are they going to stop? They think they're getting something, but they're actually, the price they're paying, the price they're paying for that. Anti-Trump, pro-Hunter Biden, uh, you know, anti-Rudy Giuliani stuff. The price they're paying is their integrity, their decency, their truth, and their credibility. Because nobody believes them anymore. These guys, they, these guys are amazing. And what they, of course, they don't understand is that they are. The people that the CIA is going to come after next. Like I said, we have an interview with Ashley Rinsberg where where he will show us that the New York Times has been doing this since the 1930s. This is not a new thing. They have been wrong and wrong and wrong and wrong again. And after a while, like I say, it's not human error. It is a way of looking at the world that doesn't work. And that's why they call you stupid, because their way doesn't work and yours is just common sense. Hey, you know, people on the right make too much of IQ. I really don't believe that IQ is, is important a factor as people on the right like to think it is. But, you know, there is something called common sense, just a simple way of looking at the world and getting it right so that you don't think up is down and down is up. Men are women and women are men. The left has lost that skill. And that's why they think you're an idiot, because the world doesn't look like they think it does. I was working so hard yesterday that I, I hardly went outside at all. The only plus side about this was I got to wear my new My Slippers all day long. These are amazing. These are from the guys who brought you My Pillow. And these slippers, so help me, are so comfortable. They slip on easily, they fit well. They're made with pillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue and made with quality leather suede. <laughs> uh, for a limited time, My Pillow is offering 40% off their new My Slippers. That's 40% off. I have their sheets, I got their pillows, and now I've got these slippers and they, they really are great. Go to mypillow.com and click on the Radio Listener Square and use promo code DAILYWIRE. You'll also get deep discounts on all my pillow products including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the My Pillow mattress topper, and My Pillow towel sets or you can call 800-951-7163 and use promo code DAILYWIRE. Visit mypillow.com now or call 800-951-7163. So I I want to address something that happened between last show and this show. Uh, Whenever I talk about religion at all, I always get people, uh, you know, climbing up uh, my cuffs because, you know, people think that the Bible has been interpreted once and for all and that the religion is set in stone and it happens to be, just happens to be whatever religion they are a part of, whereas in fact there have been major, major squabbles and arguments uh, over time and that the Protestant Uh, side of the ledger actually believes, many believe, that individuals have the right, indeed the duty and responsibility uh, to use their inner light to interpret scripture. And that doesn't mean that scripture means anything you want it to mean. It doesn't mean that you can just make stuff up. It doesn't mean you can ignore things, but it does mean that you can use reason, learning, and meditation, and prayer to interpret the words in the Bible. And so especially, especially when I refuse to condemn gay people. And last week I pointed out what is true, that my son Spencer, who's gay, is also a man of God, a very devout and very brilliant uh, man of God and somebody I respect immensely and I'm very proud of. Uh, and I got uh, hit by this by people who were telling me that I was going to go to hell, which is really important because they get exactly zero votes on where I'm going either after I live or right now while I'm living, they get zero votes. But I want to clarify, I don't want to be glib about this because there are many churches that I have been to, as I've looked around for a church, there are many churches I have been to uh, where they have been very laissez-faire about gay people and I have found their reasoning utterly corrupt. And there are other churches where they have said that the traditional interpretation about gays Uh, should stand. And I have found them not corrupt, but they actually had integrity. I have found other things as well, but those are two things that I found. So I'm I'm not being glib about this at all. I do believe you can be corrupt. I do believe you can make up your own religion. I don't think that's what I'm doing, but I do want to clarify how I read the Bible. And I think I've talked about this once before, but I think it's worth doing again. And by the Clavin's three rules for, for reading the Bible. All right. The Bible, to me, is the book about God that God wants us to have. Scripture says it is God-breathed. It is breathed into God. But I don't think... I think it would make no sense whatsoever to believe that every word in the Bible is therefore a literal truth describing a literal thing. We know this isn't true. We know this isn't true because Jesus tells parables, right? He says there was a man who had two sons. Nobody says, where did the sons live? What were their names? You know, what, what did they look like? Where? Show me where? No, we understand he's telling a story. And the reason he's doing that is there are certain truths that can only be expressed By stories, certain truths that can only be expressed by myth, certain truths that can only be expressed in legends, certain things that you cannot. Say speaking literally, and since the Bible contains so much truth about such deep things, they do those things. You can see, you know, there's a a story in Joshua where he's fighting uh, in against the Gibeonites, and he asks the sun to stand still. And some people say, well, this is the first report of an eclipse, and the sun stands still in the sky. Now we know the sun didn't stand still still in the sky. (laughs) The solar system would have fallen apart if that had happened. Uh, We know the sun isn't even moving through the sky, so the whole thing doesn't make sense. But the fact that people five and six hundred years before the birth of Christ didn't have full scientific knowledge didn't mean that they weren't describing something that was actually true right maybe the bible the battle was such that the day seemed to last five times as long as a day usually seems or maybe it was just a way of saying you know, that God was with them. You know, People use figurative language. So that's the first thing. That, to say that everything is literally true in the Bible is to miss out the truths that the Bible is trying to tell and all the genres it uses and all the terms of phrase it uses to tell the truth. The second thing is, and this is me, but it's the way I read the Bible, my reading of the Bible, is Jesus-centric, all right? I believe that man fell out of line with God. That's the original sin. That's the fall of man. And that God chose the Jews to use them to re-enter history, to re-enter God. He was always in history, but to re-enter the mind of man in history and create a people, fashion of people, who would be the people who would then incarnate God through Jesus. And Jesus came and said he I, He had come not to end the law or change the law, but to fulfill the law, to bring it to for fruition, right? To bring the law to fruition. And that changes things. Now, Jesus, in as he speaks, right? And to me, the words of Jesus are what the Bible is actually pointing to. Everything points to those words. You know, Jesus actually says, well, there was a law about divorce, but Moses gave you that law because you were hard of heart. And in fact, the law is, goes beyond that. I'm fulfilling that law. So he understands, he speaks as if the law uh, is something that is is mutable in certain ways, in ways that he directs. And uh, Paul said, it, it's uh, love. He says, loving one another fulfills the law. This is Paul writing in Romans. He says, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And love is not a feeling, oh, I feel like I love you. Love is a thing. He describes love. You know, This is something he writes about. He describes what love is and it fulfills the law because you're not going to murder somebody in love. You're not going to commit adultery in love. Those are not things that you do in love, right? So he's not saying that you don't have to do anything. He's just saying that the law is fulfilled by um, is fulfilled by love. So the, the thing about this is, right? is that when Jesus, because of this, because I read the Bible as Jesus-centric, I believe that the words of Jesus hold a special place. That's why they're in red in some editions. They hold a special place. Not everybody in the Bible is Jesus. People speak without authority. The devil speaks. Shakespeare said the devil can quote scripture to his purpose. The devil actually does quote scripture when he tempts Jesus in the in the desert. speaks. Quotes scripture to his purpose. Am I going to say, well, the devil said this is in the Bible, therefore it must be true? No, I judge the person who is speaking. Paul and James, and a lot of Christians don't like to talk about this, but it's true. They got in an argument. They got in an argument over whether uh, the law was still in effect or not, right? That argument, when we say the Bible is true, that argument contains the truth, right? It's not one person's right and the other person's wrong. Paul saying, you know, we've gone beyond the law. And James saying, well, you know, uh, faith without works is dead. Paul says, faith alone, you're saved by, by faith. And James says, well, faith without works is dead. Those things combine to make a truth, right? These people are not Jesus. When they speak, we have to take the whole argument into itself. And we turn to Jesus's words to find out who we are. And this is my third rule for how I read the Bible. And this is the most important one. And if you follow this rule, I guarantee you, follow this rule in life, I guarantee you, you will be happier. Instantaneously, you will become happier. The rule is you are not God, okay? This is going to shock you, but even I am not God. Only God is God. God says, be still and know that I am God. That is a quote from God. Be still and know that I am God be still in your judgments. Don't judge other people. There may be verses, there are verses in the Bible that condemn homosexuality, but there is not one verse that makes you the sex police. There's not one verse that tells you that you've got to go around condemning people or screaming at people or telling people they're going to go to hell. Not one. There is a, there is a verse that says, judge not lest ye be judged. And there's and I have heard so many believing Christians trying to find the loophole in that statement. Well, he meant don't judge hypocritically. No, he didn't. (laughs) He meant don't judge. Do not judge this. There is, you know, this is something. This is what you are in charge of. What you are in. Char- you're not in charge of the end of the world. You don't have to know. What, you're not going to know when the end of the world is coming, right? You're not in charge of whether God is three persons or five guys named Mo. All of that stuff is taken care of, right? All of the stuff that God does, God does. What you are supposed to do is find your way toward God's purpose in your life. That's all you got. You got one life, as C.S. Lewis said. No one knows any story but his own. So. Put aside your godliness. Put aside telling people they're going to hell. Because when God tells people to go to hell, it's because he's God. When you tell people to go to hell, it's because you're a jerk. That's the difference, right? See, that's a spot the difference between those two things. You're not God. So when you're filled with the rage of judgment and when you're certain that the last days have come and when you think you have a better idea than love God and love your neighbor, think again, be still and know that God is God. And those are my three rules for reading the Bible. The Bible is the word of God, the inerrant word of God, but that doesn't make it the literal word of God. The Bible is about Jesus and it's his words that are the center of everything that happens in it. And the third is be still and know that God is God and do your job, which is living your life into the the soul, to make yourself into the soul that God made you to be. Those are my rules. I'm telling you that last one, believe that you're not God, that last one will make everybody happier. I give you my word. So finally, people are traveling again. This is a big deal, especially with summer coming up. And if you are traveling, you want to take your Raycon wireless earbuds with you. First of all, they sound terrific. They cancel out noise and they don't make you look like an idiot. I use them when I'm listening to Uh, radio, uh, to audiobooks, and I'm hiking, and they block out the wind. They block out traffic when I'm walking on the road. Raycons look great. They feel better. They come in a range of cool colors and with customizable gel tips included for a comfortable in-ear fit, which is really important to me because I got weird-shaped ear holes. Uh, Raycons are built to go wherever you go with quick and seamless Bluetooth pairing and a compact charging case. Raycons offering 15% off all their products for my listeners. And here's what you've got to do to get it. Go to buyraycon.com slash Clavin. That's B-U-Y raycon.com slash Clavin. You'll get 15% off your entire Raycon order. It's such a good deal. You may want to grab a pair to spare. That's 15% off at buyraycon.com slash Clavin. Buyraycon.com slash Clavin. I'm trying to get them to fill... Put in a feature where you tap them twice, and they tell you how to spell Clavin. But for now, it's K L A. I just make it look easy. So I know you know the Daily Wire has been growing by leaps and bounds. We moved the whole company across the country. We released our first feature film. We struck up a movie deal with Gina Carano. We launched a new talk show host by Candace Owens. All within the last six months. We've been moving at the speed of light, and I'm excited for the future of the company. I really am. I love what we're doing, and I love that we're doing it full force. And all of us here at The Daily Wire would like to express our gratitude to you, our audience, for making all of this possible. We want to continue to include you in our future plans. Every day on my show, I talk about a lot of the amazing products and services from our sponsors, and I love the sponsors, and I try to use everything myself, but we want to get to know you better so we can choose our sponsors with you in mind. So please go to dailywire.com/claven, fill out the audience survey to tell us a little more about yourself. To sweeten the whole experience, those of you that complete the survey will be entered to win a $1,000 gift card. But you can only take the survey once per Daily Wire show. So if you want to increase your chances of winning the 1000 bucks, go listen to Ben Shapiro or Matt Walsh or, okay, listen to Michael Knowles as well, and you'll get access to their surveys as well. Again, my survey link is dailywire.com Clavin. We would love to hear from you starting tomorrow, Saturday, May 8th, get the first episode of Ben Shapiro's new series, Debunked. I love the idea for this series. This is on his podcast feed. There's a new episode every Saturday for the first season. If you're not familiar with it, he addresses common leftist talking points and dismantles them in about 15 minutes or less. He must be talking very slowly, so check it out. Daily Wire members can get the full 10-episode first season over at dailywire.com. If you're not already a member, get 20% off today with code DEBUNKED. while the discount lasts. First up, he debunks the fallacy of a living minimum wage. Check it out tomorrow on the Ben Shapiro podcast feed over at Apple, Spotify, or whatever your platform of choice may be. All right, let's talk to Ashley Rinsberg about the New York Times. He is an American writer living in Israel. He's a novelist, a journalist, a journalist, Uh, He has written for Los Angeles Review of Books, HuffPo, The Daily Beast, The Jerusalem Post, The Times of Israel. He's got this new book out, The Gray Lady Winked, and it's an examination of how the New York Times newspaper has misreported and misshaped history over the years. It is quite an amazing book. Here is Ashley Rinsberg. So Ashley Rinsberg, I I often joke uh, that the New York Times uh, is a former newspaper, I've Call it, I've been calling it that for years because I remember the paper in the 1970s when it was actually good. Its coverage of uh, the financial crisis in New York was excellent. But now you have made me doubt uh, that it was ever, ever a newspaper. Uh, let me start by just reading a quote from your book that is a quote from the New York Times. Uh, it says it is describing a inter, an international figure uh, in his time. And it says he is credibly credited with being actuated by lofty unselfish patriotism. Uh, that was their, the New York Times description uh, at the time of Adolf Hitler. So let me begin with this. Uh, you were a philosophy student, right? What, what moved you to write a book about the New York Times?
2: Well, the, um, the real impetus was reading a footnote in William Shire's book about World War II, The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich, And he kind of casually mentions there that on the eve of World War II, the New York Times reported that Poland invaded Germany. And that stopped me in my tracks. I just couldn't believe it. It, and, And that he was making really kind of not a big deal out of this fact. So I went and, you know, did a little bit of my own digging and found those articles from that day, that day's edition. And that was exactly the case. The lead story in the New York Times um, I think it was August, end of August, 1939, basically ran a piece that was Nazi propaganda to all of intents and purposes. In fact, it actually was because the sources of all the reporting were Nazi state media organs. And that's how the New York Times reported it. That's what.
1: That's what Hitler wanted people to believe—that Poland That's was what the aggressor. He
2: That's exactly it. Was a camp, it was a propaganda blitz called Operation uh, Canned Goods, or sometimes they th- they called it Operation Himmler, and it was designed to fool the West into thinking that Germany had a right to invade Poland to set off basically World War II. And the New York Times just ran it. They ran it without any other quotes. They ran it without any other sources. They used the on- only sourcing was the Nazi. Media Oregon, their, their propaganda outlet, and uh, they reprinted Hitler's speech to the Reichstag in full. Again, no context, no other sourcing, no other couching of what this might be or what might be really going on here. And you got to remember, by 1939, this is a 10 years of Nazi propaganda. Hardcore, and the world knew it, and the times just took the bait. So that set me off on this journey to understand what happened and why it happened.
1: And it, it goes on. I mean, I want to go through the whole story before we get to the New York Times today. I mean, it goes. Sure. They went on not only running Nazi propaganda about the Berlin Olympics, but also playing down the Holocaust.
2: They yes, they that that to me is one of the most tragic uh, stories out of all of this. Is is how they blacked out. The holocaust i mean there was almost no coverage in six years no prominent coverage maybe it was something tucked into page a12 or you know deep within the newspaper a very small item but these are small items about a million people being massacred in, in a concerted effort of genocide in in civilized or so-called civilized europe and why did this happen again that was the question i kept coming up against is how could this happen and why did it happen and In that case, just like in many of these other cases, it's a very toxic blend of interest, meaning wealth and power and prestige, which The New York Times has and probably wants to maintain, and ideology. And when those two things collide, it's really calamity for for the, the public. What was the
1: ideology that would make them, The New York Times, which is run by Jewish people, that would make them play down the Holocaust and basically ignore the the clear wickedness of this leader that most people could actually see.
2: What was the ideology? Well, you know, for the ideology and the interest were, were very connected in this case. They At the time, they're no longer predominantly Jewish family, but at the time they were. They were German Jewish immigrants. They had this very valuable asset on their hands. And they feared that in America at that time, with anti-Semitism was running fairly strong in the 1930s and 40s, that if they were seen... As a Jewish newspaper, they would lose their prestige. They would lose business. They would not be read, and this is in a very competitive media environment. So that's the interest. The ideology is connected to it, which is they didn't believe that Jews are a a nation, a people. They believed that Jews are people who just worship in a particular way. So for them, any kind of coverage that spotlighted this national idea of Jewish people um, was something that they shied away from or, or avoided. Con- in in total, which we saw with the Holocaust, they just shut it down. So those two things together are probably what caused really the biggest omission and, and maybe the biggest journalistic sin of the twentieth century.
1: So it's one thing. I mean, you know, so they missed Hitler, and anybody could overlook uh, one of the most evil men in history slaughtering more people than anyone ever had before. But they did they did it again with with Stalin. Uh, now that that incident has become more famous, but they missed Stalin as
2: well. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, they. I think they they saw Stalin. They understood Stalin, who he was and what he was doing. Um, and you know that's the common misconception about Walter Duranty, the infamous New York Times reporter, accused of sort of taking it in his own hands to cover up the Ukraine famine. But when you stop and think about that claim and say, wait a second why would a reporter want to downplay a story? A reporter's job, his his mission, what gives him joy in life is getting great scoops. And the Ukraine famine was a great scoop. Why would anyone want to throw that away? Of course you wouldn't, especially someone who was as famous as Walter Durante, as successful and skilled as him on the world stage. What really happened there was he was instructed by his higher-ups at the New York Times, the owners and the publishers, to downplay that story, to obscure what was really going on. And again, it's a toxic blend, the stew of ideology and interest. The New York Times owners wanted the United States to formally recognize the Soviet regime, which at that point was still fairly young. and. You couldn't convince the American public to be okay with that if that regime just killed two, three million of its own people for almost no reason. So in order for them to achieve that political aim, they had to downplay that story, which otherwise nobody would because it's too good. It's great material. It's a great scoop. It's a great thing to report on from a journalistic standpoint of view. So they had a superseding interest. They pursued it. And in so doing, they basically gave Stalin a major propaganda win, just as they did for Hitler in in the 1930s and 40s. So it's it's
1: good to remember that this is a newspaper that today, if they can find a mean tweet you sent when you were 12 years old that maybe says something wrong about gay people, uh, they will actually destroy your career. So these are, we're going back in time a little bit, and obviously the people who covered these stories aren't there anymore, but this is still the reputation of the paper, and it goes on, that's two strikes, Hitler and Stalin, two big yeah. strikes. But they do it again with Castro.
2: Yes, they they did it again with Castro. I mean, it's, let's say, a smaller pond, but a much bigger fish in the sense that right. they really made Castro. I mean, Castro at that time, when they found him, they they literally dug him up. The The New York Times reporter named Herbert Matthews had to search for this guy in the mountains of Cuba because he was all but defeated at that time. He had a few stragglers still with him, no money, very little weaponry. The New York Times basically overnight made him into an international celebrity. They had that power, they had that reach, and they had a reporter on the ground there who just, for whatever reason, and I think it was some kind of strange romantic notions about this kind of guerrilla fighter, but they made him into the democratic savior of Cuba. That's how the messiah, democratic messiah of Cuba is how the New York Times position Castro, and it worked as we saw. Um, and it worked so well that Castro came back to the New York Times went visiting New York on three separate occasions, went to the publisher to say personally, thank you for what you did for me.
1: So just one more to bring this up to date, and then we'll talk about the, the New York Times today. Um, Vietnam, and now this is a, a reporter, Halberstam, I, I believe, yeah. if I've got his name right. This guy, when I was, a younger, a much younger guy. This guy was a huge, huge journalistic yeah. star. I mean, he was one of the biggest stars. And he was really playing politics in Vietnam and had a lot to do with the way people thought about Vietnam. Uh, talk a little bit about what Halberstam was doing over, over there.
2: Yeah, like you said, he was this young, brash, uh, often described as brainy, maybe a little too brainy for his own good. But this young guy in Vietnam, with the, again, you're a New York Times, correspondent, a reporter, you have a significant amount of power to influence how people understand what's unfolding on the ground, in that case in Vietnam. And he knew that. He was a smart guy. And on, by all accounts, this is not me saying this, but, but even his friends called him arrogant. So you got this young, arrogant guy with you know power in his hands, and he decides that he doesn't like the way the war is being prosecuted in Vietnam. He doesn't think the U.S. should be allied to the South Vietnamese government. And he believes that he and his his um, successor at The New York Times, Neil Sheehan, can actually change the course of events. And it turns out that they did. Through their reporting, for example, through reporting... That the South Vietnamese government was run by a madman. That was, that's what he was trying to convince the American public of. And they tried to do it by showing massacring of Buddhist monks. That was a really big storyline. So, in one case, they reported 30 Buddhist monks massacred by the DM government, the South Vietnamese government, to show that these people were unhinged and unreliable and not worthy of being Americans' allies. It turns out that not only were there 30 monks not massacred in that event, zero monks were massacred. Mm. And when you think of what, what kind of resonance a story like that has, 30 monks, Buddhist monks, peaceful religious worshipers being massacred by this, these crazy South Vietnamese government backed by the U.S., it's hard to get that stain out of people's minds. And that's exactly what happened. They built the case, Sheehan and Halberstam together, and at the end of the day, When that coup happened against the South Vietnamese government at the time, what Kennedy realized was that the the planned pullout he'd been working on with, at the time, Defense Secretary McNamara, was no longer feasible. They couldn't get out of Vietnam Vietnam without a partner, and they no longer had a partner. And that meant that the U.S. had to stay in the war for a number of years, many years after that.
1: Mm, Amazing story. And then he wrote... Uh, Halberstam wrote his famous book on how the best and the brightest had failed by getting us deeper and deeper into Vietnam without mentioning yes. that he had had a real hand in that. Uh, talking to Ashley Rinsberg, the book is called The Gray Lady Winked, How the New York Times Misreporting Fabrications and Distortions Radically Alter History. And I read it over a couple of days. I have to say that I, again and again, as I would turn the pages, uh, my jaw was dropping stuff that I, I really didn't know. What happened when you tried, and, and it's a, a well-researched, un, it's not spectacularly written. What I mean by that is it's not It's not trying to be spectacular. It's very well-written, but it's not trying to be overly dramatic. It's just presenting the facts. What happened when you took this book out to try and get it published?
2: Yeah, no, that's that's a, definitely a big part of the story. And, we, you know, we talk a lot about cancel culture today and we think about cancel culture as people who are on whatever platform or stage they're on and then get yanked off. But a very big and pervasive part of cancel culture are all the people who are not able to speak. Either they're shut out of institutions or they're too afraid to say what's on their mind. And in this case that's exactly what happened i went out to very well connected very influential people in the publishing business time and again and none of them said that this book is not worth reading none of them said that it's inaccurate or speculative or anything along those lines they all said we can't risk angering the new york times and I understood, because they are so powerful, There are a close to $10 billion company, which even downplays the, the true significance of their power. And nobody wants to make them angry, except for me, it turns out. But nobody else wants to make them angry. And, you know, I, I accepted defeat for a, a, sort of a moment in time, actually quite a long one, 10 years. And then I saw that, you know, things have changed. The definition of media is no longer what it was the power is in our hands to go out and to speak out about what we're seeing going on to carry these messages and to bring them to platforms like yours where we can actually have a fair hearing and so i decided this this is the best time if there ever was one
1: did you bring the book out yourself or did you actually find a publisher
2: I brought it up by myself and, and it was for this reason. I kept looking around yeah. and I kept seeing the Barry Weisses of the world, the Ben Shapiro's of the world, Andrew, so people who could go to pretty much any publication they would like to work from or report at or edit or whatever they chose, but they're choosing now to be independent because independence is now, um, I think a higher value to a lot of us then prestige then legacy then even those massive resources because if you're independent you have an ability to actually speak to people about what matters and not what matters to somebody else or some other interest
1: and and this is a book i i really want to emphasize this, this is a book that is researched and written at the highest professional level this is not some guy bringing out like a self published book that who doesn't know what he's doing this is a really well done book any Publisher with Nerve would have published it, I think, back in the day. So at some point, you're talking about ideology in The New York Times. At some point, the ideology of The New York Times becomes very openly woke, doesn't it? I mean, there is a point where the publisher calls people in and and says, we are here to make white men's lives uh, difficult.
2: Yeah, it's, you know, I, I, oh, that is fair. I think if you were to look at the sort of the woke graph of the New York times, it would be a hockey stick. I mean, it's, it happened so fast and it happened so thoroughly. And that's where Barry Weiss, who was an editor and she, you know, I don't think she's a right-wing person. She's centrist or maybe left of center. That's I think how she describes herself. She felt driven out of the newsroom. She, she's claiming that she was subject to harassment and intimidation because she didn't carry the torch of woke ideology. And that's precisely the problem. I think very few of us would have a problem if, if, you know, in a newsroom or in a workplace or in a society in general, someone has this, this kind of idea about race versus equity or whatever they want to believe it's fine. And, you know, in other parts of the spectrum, the problem is that when it becomes a monolith, when it becomes, this kind of homogenous thing, like it has at the New York Times, where someone like Barry Weiss feels she can't even work there any longer, that's when we're, we're facing a very grave danger, especially in journalism. Because journalism is about multiple viewpoints. It's about diversity of perspectives. And that's what wokeness is crowding out completely, even though it does so in the banner of diversity of ideas. But I think we, re- we realize now that it's much more of a, a dogma than anything else.
1: No, it's, it's antithetical to both journalism and university education. Wokeness is actually the opposite of those things. Now, the, the newspaper that thought Hitler was kind of a loyal, patriotic guy and thought Stalin uh, was a charmer and f- thought Castro really needed to be built up, that newspaper has now embraced this woke philosophy. Is there a through line there or, or I, am I just making that up? Is there some connection between those things?
2: Yeah, no, that's, that's, I think one of the most important questions you can ask about any institution in this one in particular. And yes, there's a through line and the through line is the family that owns it and the kind of control they own it by, which means for 120 years, you've had this enormous amount of power. And we're not just talking about a f- financial power, like you could have a, a family owning a business. We're talking about the power of truth in the hands of a a very small number of people who are all related to one another and whose interests are all tied together and tied to this truth mechanism. So when you have that kind of concentration of, of power to determine truth, to shape our reality, to shape our lives, I think you have by nature a problem. And that's exactly what has happened there. You've had the original founder of the current dynasty was a man with high ideals, and he's the guy that made the paper, quote unquote, gray. His name was Adolf Aux. He believed he loved America. He was an immigrant to America. He believed fully in the American project, and he wanted to make a newspaper worthy of serving it, and he did. But then you've got this dynasty that comes after him, 100 years plus of people trying to maintain that power and that wealth and that prestige and trying to keep this thing not just afloat, but at its number one position. And all sorts of other considerations get mixed into that pot. And I think this is where we really need to be careful when we're thinking about corporate news We're thinking about this kind of ownership of a, of a news institution. Um, I think that's an indication of where we might want to go in the future, which is to decentralize things, to move to a much more flat landscape than something that is so hierarchical as the New York Times. It's it's
1: a literal patriarchy. And, and the thing that people don't understand is that Every day in newsrooms and news outlets across the country, uh, their budget, their list of stories comes over the wire. And that sets the budget, that sets the schedule for outlets, cable, TV, uh, small outlets, online outlets across the Absolutely. country. They still have tremendous reach and tremendous power. Again, uh, the authors, Ashley Rinsberg, The Gray Lady Winked. How the New York Times misreporting, fabrications, and distortions radically alter history, and are still altering history. I don't want your subtitle to get too long, but they're still altering history. It is a it's a really good book, Ashley. And I'm how is it Thank selling? Thank you,
2: Andrew. It's selling really well. It's it's climbing the Amazon charts. We're number one in democracy category in Amazon. Number one in media studies. Number one in a couple other good categories. So. It's racing up there, um, which is very heartening. I, after the story I told you about this being kind of shut out for 10 years, to yeah. see that people are interested, that they want to understand this topic. And that's really what this is about.
1: It's great. Ashley, thanks for coming on. A really interesting Thank you, Andrew. It's I been amazing.
2: It. Thank you so much.
1: All right. Gather your problems around you. Kiss them goodbye. They're leaving town because it is time now for the mailback.
3: <laughs> Visit vaccines.com. Vaccines.gov, vaccines.com, or text your your zip code to 438829.
1: Yeah! We are all going to die. All right, Clark. Clark. (laughs) Dear Overlord Andrew Clavin, I'm 21 years old. I have no career goals whatsoever. I graduated with a bachelor's degree in mathematics, but I quit graduate school last fall because I lost interest in the path I was going down. I sit around most days doing nothing. But eventually, I will start working again in a new location of the family business. I have no passion for anything at all. And so how can I go out and find a high-paying job? Or what do I need to do first in order to find out what I enjoy doing? Clark, let me tell you something about yourself. I, I've never met you. I don't know anything about you. This is like, you're going to be amazed at my psychic powers. Either, one of three things is true about you. Either your parents are divorced. You were bullied as a child or your parents were divorced and you were bullied as a child. One of, the, one of those three things is almost certainly true about you. You are depressed. You have no self-esteem. Uh, you are stuck because of where you come from and things that have happened to you, uh, traumas that you haven't accepted as traumas. I'm almost certain about this. Maybe it it may just be the fact that you're smoking too much Mary Jane, you know? (laughs) It could just be you're on the weed thinking, hey, why why don't I have any ambition? But if that's not the case, if you're not addicted to something, you may well also be addicted to something like pot or porn or something else that is sapping your energy. Uh, My advice to you, is, is you've got to get past this. I, th- this is not the problem, obviously, is not that you have no enthusiasm. The problem is something is broken inside you, is something is traumatized and, and uh, in bad shape. And a lot of things, you know, because we've been told that divorce is okay, people don't always know that divorce has exploded their inner being, uh, because people are so humiliated by being bullied, uh, they don't sometimes face what it has done to them and how it has sapped them of uh, any sense of self. Uh, what I would do is... A couple of things. You should probably take up a martial art, something that will give you a sense of yourself, something will give you the sense that you can defend yourself, that you're no longer the victim you were as a kid. Uh, you might want to join the military. Somebody, they will kick you into shape uh, a little bit. They will make you feel like, yes, I can handle things. I can do things. If you have that kind of commitment, you can do that. Uh, something that, where it doesn't matter whether you're interested in it or not, you will become interested in it. You want to refashion yourself through physical means. You want to do physical things that will help your inner self understand that you are no longer the child who underwent the traumas that you underwent and you will start to have some kind of self-esteem. And the other thing that helps with this is I always hate to recommend therapy because I know A, therapy costs money and B, there are a lot of bad therapists out there, but still therapy is something else that will help uh, you with yourself. This is a psychological problem. This is something that happened to you or, and something that you are doing like you know, using drugs or watching porn or whatever uh, addiction, addiction, uh, and you want to get past those things and and move on. And let me know what happens because I'm I'd be really interested to hear. Um, from uh, Doctor Green, he says I have a family member who says that Candace Owens, Larry Elder, and Thomas Sowell are Uncle Toms. What is a good response? Unbelievable. Uh, the 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 response to make to them. The response to make to them is. Why do they believe that they have the right to regulate the opinions of black people? Why do they believe that they have a right to determine what an individual black person should think or to diagnose some psychological uh, factor if he says something that they disagree with? What gives them the magic you know, power to know what black, a black person should be thinking about his life and about his situation? That's the answer to them. The answer I would like to make to the rest of us uh, is just, just one thing. I understand that Uncle Tom has now become a word with other meanings, right? But you ought to read Harriet Beecher Stowe's novel, Uncle Tom's Cabin, because Uncle Tom is a character of grace, of courage, of unbreakable courage, and of love. And he is modeled on Jesus Christ, and that is why the left hates him. The left hates him because he's modeled on Jesus Christ instead of on what they want people to be modeled on, which is materialists who think that they can fix everything and make everything perfect. Uncle Tom is a hero in Uncle Tom's Cabin and a great man. He is a great man in terrible, terrible circumstances, and uh, you know that it's it's it really shouldn't be an insult to call somebody that. I know it is. I'm not saying it's not, but it shouldn't be an insult to call somebody that because the the man himself, the character himself, is is a great Jesus-like hero. Um, All right, let's play a a video question. We love to get video questions, so you can send them. Keep them under a minute if you can. This is from Carson.
4: Hey, Clavin. So my question is regarding what you say in The Great Good Thing. You talk a lot about reading and books and becoming a part of the great conversation. Um, I know that I have a knack and a great enjoyment of thinking through things, examining things, getting to the bottom of things, uh, especially as it relates to the human condition, the human experience, and just story in general. Um, My question is whether it would be worth it for me to go back to school and try to get an English or literature degree. I'd want to do it because of the kind of person that it would make me into more than just for the fact of like having a career. Um, Would it be worth it to spend the time and money that it would take um, to get a college degree uh, even if I'm not planning on becoming, say, a high school or college professor? And what I learn, what I want to learn by going to university, or are they all just kind of leftist hubs now? If that's true, that they are all kind of garbage, and it would be too expensive, um, are there any alternatives that you would suggest to becoming that kind of person uh, without spending all the, the time in a university?
2: Thanks.
1: So as somebody who didn't learn in university, but learned afterwards, I can tell you that university is Uh, First of all, let me let me uh, praise you for uh, wanting to do this, because the thing is, if you indeed have a knack for observing the human condition, you do not want to do it alone. You want to do it in the company of the great minds of history, because if you do it alone, you just get into a circular thing where you keep saying the same things over and over again. You want to be able to break those circles that are in every human mind. We all have them. You want to be able to break through those with new information, with people that you respect, that disagree with you. No matter how long ago they lived, so that it's important to get to talk to an. You know, you think like, well, if Aristotle said that, maybe I'm wrong about something. If Shakespeare said it, maybe I'm wrong. So that that's it's really helpful. It broadens your mind. So I'm I'm really in favor of doing this. Um, I did not learn enough in university, so I did it myself. And it took me 15 years. It took me 15 years to read enough where I felt that I was an educated man. I think you can do it faster in a college if you go to the right college. There's still colleges like Hillsdale. I highly support them. You're right. A lot of these places have become leftist uh, cesspits. Some of them still have great books courses that you can take. I consulted with my son, uh, Spencer Clavin, no relation, because he is a great scholar and he has on his show, The Young Heretics, he has a sponsor called the Classic Learning Test, which is an alternate uh, test instead of the SAT and the ACT that is actually based on passages from great authors. So you might want to look at which colleges accept the CLT, the classic learning test, instead of this SAT and ACT. And that may be a hint that they are one of the good colleges, Thomas Aquinas, Hillsdale again. Uh, it, it is worth doing if you can do it, if you can find the college. But you're absolutely right. Most of them are cesspits of leftism, uh, and that's what you want to avoid. But it is worth doing. It is faster. It is good to have people teach you things. You know, I taught myself, and it, 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 you know, it can be a great thing if you do it as patiently and over a long period of time as I did. But It is good to have people teach you things because they can expand your mind. And I hope you do it. I hope you get a chance to do it. Uh, Okay, let us take a look. You know, so so many people ask me this question. How do you stand up to cancel culture? And how do you do this? And I just want to give you my experience with cancel culture. Uh, So we at The Daily Wire, we made this video where I just told the story. And I have to tell you, as I was telling the story, I was kind of startled in the middle of it. I was thinking, you know, this is actually a good story in and of itself. So here's just a minute. It's gonna be on the Daily Wire YouTube channel and you can find it there. We will put it up uh, later today. I knew I was gonna get some picture, and I finished the pitch and wound up and the guy looked at me and he said, that's great, but could you make the villain the American military? So the funny thing about my Hollywood career is that I never wanted it. And you have to understand that there are people who not only would sell their soul for any kind of career in Hollywood, but have sold their souls for careers in Hollywood. You can tell just by reading stories about them in the news. But I didn't want it. I just wanted to write novels all my life. That's all I wanted to do. I wanted to write books. I wanted to write books that were specific to me. I didn't want anybody collaborating with me or changing what I had written. And I knew that those books would be quirky and different. I wasn't aiming to get on the bestseller list, though occasionally I did, but I just thought this is what I want I want to put my vision down on paper. So I wasn't thinking about Hollywood at all, but because I knew... I was going to write these quirky books. I knew I'd need money. I knew I'd need some form of income to make sure that I was always free to do whatever I wanted to do. (laughs) It really is a kind of a wild story. Like I said, it's going to be on the Daily Wire YouTube channel, Beating Cancel Culture, it is called. That's it. We are done. For those of you who are not subscribers, All Access subscribers, uh, you are now entering the Clavenless week. Uh, It is an impenetrable darkness, uh, a wilderness. There's no water there. There's kind of flames that shoot out of the ground, sulfuric fumes. Uh, The chances of you making it to next week are slim, but if you do, I'll be back. This is The Andrew Claven Show. I'm Andrew Claven. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode and want to spread the word, give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe, too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, basically wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, remember to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Walsh Show, and The Michael Knoll Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising Producer, Mathis Glover. Production Manager, Pavel Vidowski. Edited by Danny D'Amico. Lead Audio Mixer, Mike Cormina. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production Coordinator, McKenna Waters. And our Production Assistant is Jacob Falash. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021.
3: A teacher in Washington reads a trans indoctrination book to her first grade students. Caitlyn Jenner continues to be a train wreck. The jobs report proves that it's probably not a good idea to pay people to not work. Who would have thought? AOC credits Planned Parenthood with saving babies, saving them. And finally, a high school girl faces over a decade in prison for trying to rig her homecoming election. All of that and so much more today on The Matt Walsh Show.